the American church is in such a position that it's in because we don't understand covenant. Um, we're used to jockeying for position and titles. And uh, I don't know if you talked to you about Bill Johnson last night. It was incredible. He has a, a prophet on his staff named Chris Volatin. And God started dealing with Chris um, about covenant with Bill for the rest of his life. In other words, he, he's not looking for a senior pastor's role. He's not looking to old planet. He's in covenant with him from now on, period, whatever that means. That's scary to people. We have trouble doing that in our marriages, much less in the church. But can you have children in and of yourself? But see, that's how we want to have fruit in the kingdom. I don't need nobody. All I need is God. Me and Jesus got our own thing going, and you ain't got a whole lot. Come on, in the physical, you need relationship to bear forth fruit. It's the same thing in the kingdom. It's how God builds. He builds generationally. You know, when he reveals himself, he reveals himself generationally. And what's so tough for us is we have such a paradigm of what the church has taught us then when he starts to reveal himself, we don't know it's him. Because we ain't seen him like that before. It's so intrusive. And, and like Pastor Jared said, it brings up all these emotions. Okay? You, you, it, you know, I did a series called The Process of Pain. See, pain is not the problem. Pain just shows you you have a problem. But America, we just want rid of the pain. We have a toothache, give me Orgel. Just let me numb the pain. Give me a Darvacet. Numb the pain. No, you need to go get the tooth pulled out. You need to deal with it by the root. Okay? And so, so many things that Pastor Jared is talking about, and he's talking about going through these emotions. <clears throat> he is not, it's like I talked about last night, he's not preaching a message to you. He is that message. Okay? He... He's went through those things, and, and that's what he went through is I ain't going to run. And I'll, I promise you, when God puts that person in your life, something's going to happen, and you're going to want to run. I had a spiritual father in my life, and I was sitting in the car one day, and uh, I went to his church to preach. And God had uh, given me a dream about an Absalom and uh, gave me the scripture and gave me the guy's name. See, sometimes it's not so fun being a prophet. And so I'd never heard of the, the guy before. Well, I go to, to my spiritual father's house to preach, and he introduces me to the praise and worship leader, and it's him. And he told me his name, and I went. And I looked at him, I go, that's him. Because that's the name, because I'd already called him that morning and told him what God showed me. Man, my spiritual father was upset at me. He was like, you're wrong. You've missed it, the whole thing, okay? And we're sitting in a car that night. And I said, look, this is what God told me. He said, no, you're the Absalom. My hand reached up to get the door handle. Because you know what happened? Those emotions, I don't need this. Come on. God, I'm just doing what you told me to do. 
Now daddy's hammering me. He said, isn't this what you asked for? See, a father's not always right. But sometimes what a father does will expose what's in you. And see, that abandonment issue was in me, and I was ready to bail. And God was like, look, when I give you a father, it doesn't mean everything he does is right. Come on, are you out there? And so those emotions came up. My hand just went right back down. I said, okay, God, let's, let's go through the process. You know, before the um, thing was over, I said, this is what I said. I said, okay, if I am an Absalom, I don't know it, and I want to know it. And I said, one thing is I'll go home and I'll ask my wife, and I'll ask people I'm in covenant with, do you see this in me? Because if it's in me, I want it out. I went home that night, God gave me a dream. And in this dream, he gave me a dream of a white Ford pickup. And my pastor was at the back of this Ford pickup at the tailgate, and he was trying to get me to drive it, telling me how to drive it. And I looked at him, I said, I can't drive it, it's your truck. And you can't drive it from back there. And the thing caught on fire, and I'm trying to help him put it out. Okay? And it's this whole detailed dream. And so I just called him, I told him the next day, I said, look, this is a dream I had. I know it's weird, I'm just telling you. And at the moment, I'm like, I don't know what this has to do with what just happened, but three months later, this Absalom that I told you about um, rose up, become Absalom, and took people with him when he left the church. The crazy thing is my pastor went out and bought a white Ford pickup, just exactly like I saw in the dream. And long story short, um, there was a process we had to go through. Okay, The process of sonship is as sons mature, they start to walk beside you, not behind you. You understand? See, we have a paradigm that it's always this ladder, and father's always at the top, and the sons are behind them. No, it's it's actually they start to walk beside you, and then ultimately they're thrust out in front of you because they carry forth with where you're. Because whether you like it or not, you're going to die. <laughs> Sorry to tell you all that. <laughs> okay, so. There's processes there, and, and, and there's always counterfeits where people, when they hear this, oh, I'm going to be a father, I'm going to get me sons. Oh, you, you've already missed it. That's dangerous. Fathering is a responsibility, and here's the thing. If you don't become a son, you can never be a father. It's not going to happen. Okay, it, it'll be off. You'll be a dictator. <laughs> okay, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll cause a lot of, lot of problems. So, Things that Pastor Jared was saying and, and um, talking about, um, one of the biggest things that that he hit on was inheritance. How many, how many likes inheritance? Okay. If you want to look at the biblical pattern the way he said, Jesus was the firstborn. He was going to inherit from his father. Okay, But he had to come into alignment in obedience and let father give it to him. Not take it. See, that's what the enemy tried to do in the wilderness. He tried to give him the kingdoms of this world because they belong to the enemy. And Jesus went, uh-uh. Daddy's going to give them to me. In Revelations, we see where 
Daddy gives him the kingdoms of this world. They become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. You see what I'm saying? What happens is when you get in alignment, there's different ways that the enemy tempts you. We might talk a little bit about that tonight. But ultimately what will happen is you'll try to get away from Daddy. You'll try to take it prematurely. See, that's the option David had. If he would have took it from Saul, then he would have just been Saul. He'd have been another Saul. Is actually his heart was being tested. See, fathers will test your heart. That's what Elijah was doing to Elisha. Stay here. He's testing his heart. And Elisha was going, oh, uh-uh. <laughs> I've done but too much into this, you know. And here's the thing. Did you know there was prophets prophesying? Pastor Jerry, prophets were prophesying that Elijah was going to be taken. So watch this. Prophet, I showed you last night, it's a gifting. I'm not impressed with prophets that can prophesy. I'd rather be a son that can experience the encounter. That's why Elisha went, shh, I know. Because you can prophesy it, but I'm about to encounter it. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying? See, you can stay over here in your gifting, and you can prophesy things, and you can hear things, or you can encounter things. See, you want to be the nine disciples on the bottom of the mountain, or you want to be the three that went with him and encountered something? Okay, remember when Abraham was taking his son up the mountain? He told his servants, he said, here, y'all stay here. Me and my son's going up the mountain. In other words, servants can only go so far. They, have, they can't go up the mountain. So when you're talking about inheritance, this is what he's talking about. It's talking about the inheritance that God gives through alignment. That's why God was talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Made a covenant with Abraham. Established that promise through Isaac. Okay? Then facilitated it through Jacob with the 12 tribes, 12 sons. Right? That's where the 12 tribes of Israel come from. And so <clears throat> understand that sonship is not a new thing. As Pastor Jerry was saying, it's always been here. We, we just hadn't grabbed a hold of it. And so... I'm going to shift you into some things, okay, because uh, different different places hit different emotions, hit different wounds, okay? So I'm going to go into some things here real quick. I'm going to try to do it pretty fast. <clears throat> and this is going to deal with a different side of you, Okay? I like for Jared to deal with the emotional stuff. I don't like the emotional stuff, right? Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you into some absolutes, okay? Y'all know what absolutes are? It means whether you believe it, whether you feel it, is irrelevant. It's just the way it is. In other words, whether you believe Jesus died on the cross or not, it's irrelevant. It happened. Whether you ever partake of it or not, it's an absolute, okay? And so I want to show you some things this morning, and, and I'm going to show you things of how to walk in the spirit realm. If you walk in the spirit realm, now remember Romans 8, if you walk in the spirit, you're led by the spirit, you are the what? Now, think about that statement. So if you don't walk by the spirit, I mean, come on, it's pretty simple. If you're going to be a son... You better learn how to walk by the Spirit. 
What does that mean? You've got to learn to have relationship with daddy to where you're listening to your spirit man and your soul and your flesh don't control you. Because how many times you see somebody and in your mind, in your soul, you're sizing them up. And you have an opinion about them. See, you're supposed to discern by the Spirit. No, no man after the flesh, but by the Spirit. Okay? Because there's a lot of people out there that can flatter you with words and say all the right things, but behind the scenes, they're not living the message. And with that always comes manipulation and control. Okay? The freedom is when I can tell you anything and then it's your choice to do what you want to do. That, that's freedom. Uh, that's scary to people, but that really is freedom. Because here's the thing. I don't want you to believe what I believe. Can I just say this and hope y'all don't mean it wrong? If I do, then I'm a cult leader. Because a cult demands you to believe like the leader believes. That's a cult. The freedom is God has given the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into all truth. Socialism is you're not smart enough to know what to do with your money. Give it to big government or big church leaders and we'll decide what to do with it. Capitalism is we empower you. God's a capitalist. He wants to empower you. The scary thing is if we teach that, you may be in Africa tomorrow. And you're my biggest toddler. Because, see, when you start to empower people with daddy and sonship, and they start to hear him, they might leave your church. Jared doesn't go to our church right now. He's an ORU. He was on staff with me uh, for years at our church. Okay, as a daddy, I don't want him to go. I mean, we work out together, we hang out, we do things together. But as a daddy, I'm more care. I care more about his destiny and what God has for him than him being there for me. Jeff, that was here last night, he was in our house. Now he's in total with the church. Why? I had to kick him out. I didn't want to. But I want grandkids. If you want grandkids, you got to get your kids out. You got to get them married off. You got to help them come into their death. See, the greatest call on my life is to help my sons succeed. That's the greatest joy. Think about it as a parent. That's the greatest joy as a parent is seeing your kids do. Come on. A righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. You got to think three generations at least. See, if you don't change the mentality, see, the belief system he was talking about, you can agree with it here, but it's got to change in here. That's what I was talking about last night with this escapism mentality. Do you know Jesus could have escaped? He could have had his own rapture. But he said, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't calling 10,000 angels. I came here for a purpose and a plan, and that's to fulfill the heart of Daddy. So not my will. Daddy, what you want? Then watch what daddy does. Daddy says, oh, man, that's my boy. You are so awesome. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess at your name. Not daddy's name. 
the son's name. That's a true daddy. A true daddy elevates the son greater than himself. Makes you want to be a son, doesn't it? It's like, hey, forget the fathering. I just want to be a son. (laughs) The son gets the inheritance, you know. Father gets a little more responsibility. But the issue is, as you become sons, it's automatic that God will start to use you in fathering. Why? Because it, it's who daddy is. See, we, we have to understand, I'm prolonging this, but the Trinity is not God the Father up here, God the Son, take a step down, and God the Holy Spirit, take another step down. That's kind of how we see it. But you have to understand, they're a triune being face to face. There's no, there's no different levels. It's like I said last night, we're real good with Jesus because he died for us and went to hell for us and did all that. How, how, do, you, how do you reject that? People don't reject Jesus. They reject how he is presented. How are you going to reject somebody that did all, shed his blood for? And we're embracing the Holy Spirit more because of the giftings and power now. But we, we really have a big hang-up with Daddy because we have father wounds. We have authority wounds, and they all go back to whoever's in charge. I got people in our church, man, they come into my office, they're shaking. You're intimidating. I'm like, what did I do? I feel like I'm in trouble. I'm in the principal's office. I'm a little kid. I feel like I want to get my board out. Hey, bend over. Has nothing to do with me. It has to do with they have an issue. Okay? And so it, it doesn't matter what I do. I mean, I can give them coffee. I can, well, it doesn't matter. It's until they deal with that, everywhere they go, they're going to have that with authority. They'll have it in their marriage. They'll have it in their workplace. It, it's there. Okay? But the, the sad thing is they can see it. They just don't know how to deal with it. Okay? So let, let's set some absolutes, and uh, we'll, we'll go into this real quick. And this will challenge you a little bit, but that's what we're supposed to do, right? If you want to operate in the Spirit, you're going to have to be challenged of what it looks like to operate there. See, we're still trying to do it backwards. We're still trying to operate in the flesh, possess our soul, or possess our soul and then access our spirit. Okay? So, so let me give this to you here. This is flesh. This is soul. And this is spirit. Now, somebody tell me what that is. That's a tabernacle, right? Now, when Moses built this tabernacle, what was the pattern that he built it? After Who said that? Who's Billy? She said, after the one in heaven. Don't y'all think about that. Everybody say that with me. After the one in heaven. So this is a pattern after the one in heaven. Are you with me? How many of you want to know what heaven looks like? I didn't say it. She, Billy said it. So you have to understand something. God don't do away with anything. He just fulfills it. So if the pattern or the real is in heaven, okay, then he's, by the law, going to have Moses build this. But why? 
so they can see it. And if they see it, the day's coming, he's going to fulfill it. And he's going to fulfill it, then he's going to take what he fulfilled in heaven and he's going to put it where? Where though? In you. See, you're now this. Stay with me. You're, you're now this. You're the tabernacle. Flesh, outer court. Everybody can see your flesh. It's your outer court. Soul, that's your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the dark place. Spirit, that's where you're born again, your spirit. Are you with me? You have now become the tabernacle of God. No longer does God tabernacle in a box. He tabernacles in you. Okay, so you have to understand, God had this plan all along. It was always His plan. Okay, so we're going to go through some of these things and mess you up. Because this is what we're still trying to do in the church. We're still trying to do it the way Moses did it. Get in here, then get in here, and then access this. But if he fulfilled it, in fulfilling it, he reversed it. So now you should live here, possess your soul, and take authority over your flesh. But we're trying to take authority over our flesh, and we ain't never went in there. So our, our soul is just wreaking havoc, and emotions are freaking us out. And I'm not saved because I don't feel like it. When salvation is an absolute. But it's an absolute where? In your spirit. Healing is an absolute. Whether it manifests in you, is, it, it doesn't matter. It's still an absolute. It's done. Let, let me give you this one. This is really going to make you mad. You're already rich. It's an absolute. He became poor so you could become. It, it, it's already here. But what we're trying to do is get in there and get it. It's backwards. You already got it. You got to start to live from it. You don't live trying to get inheritance. You got to live from inheritance. You, you don't live trying to be a son. You live from being a son. He's reversed it. Okay? Y'all can see that, right? Okay. Let, let's just say, and here's the other thing. How many tribes were there? It was 12, right? How many got to operate in here? How many tribes? One tribe. Okay. If the other 11 tried to operate in here, what happened to them? But in the church, we try to make you all facilitate your calling inside the church. No wonder you're dying. 11 out of the 12 of the callings on people are outside of the church, outside of the structure. They're in the kingdom, not in the church. Understand, this is a replica. If you want to understand, you remember when Paul said, I went to heaven? And he said, I, you know, I was caught up to the third heavens? He's right here. See, heaven's not like this. It's laid out like this. This is the third heaven right here. It's the outer court. Now, you can get mad at me, but the Scripture says it. This is a pattern of the real which is in heaven. 
I'm going to prove it to you, so I'm just letting you letting it sink in. I got scripture, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, okay. <clears throat> um, Jesus said, um, I am the... The way is salvation. The truth is where the Holy Spirit is. The life is where the fullness is. See, most of the church just focus on, we're just trying to get people saved. Just trying to get as many to heaven as we can when he's trying to get heaven here. Thirty, sixty, hundred. Good, acceptable, perfect. Come on, I'm just letting you chew a little bit before we go into stuff. This came through who? Moses, right? Also, we know him as the lawgiver. Is that right? Okay. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Start reading at chapter 1, I mean verse 1. Holy brethren, partakens of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Now, when he said he's the high priest, who is the high priest, the first high priest under the law? Aaron. So what does that mean? The high priest was a Levite of the tribe that could operate in here. And he's the only one that one time a year could go in this place. So understand, one time a year, one man got to go in here everybody lived on the earth one man once a year got to go in here that's it but even then he was showing us what the kingdom would be like Moses got to experience him and he didn't experience him in the box Moses experienced him on the mountain Moses spared him in, the, in the, the, the tent of meeting. See, he was always showing, even though he had the law, he was always showing the law is never the pattern. The pattern's always sonship. The pattern's he's always going to find a man, a woman, and show his glory. I mean, come on. Can, can you imagine? Moses comes down, gives the law, gives all this stuff. This is how we're going to do it, but it don't pertain to me. Oh, y'all got to do that, but I don't. And God validates it. God says, you know, to y'all, I'm going to speak to y'all prophetically, prophets. And those, but to Moses, I'm going to talk to him face to face. He's my son. So what is that? It's a prophetic picture of what he's bringing. See, that's why David, David got to eat of the priest's bread and he didn't die. David committed adultery and he didn't die. Back in those days, you operated by the law, you got killed. You see, God was always showing that ultimately this is going to be fulfilled through a son. 
And ultimately, it was always through relationship. Are you with me? Okay, so let's set some, uh, some absolutes here. Um, anybody know what this is? It's the altar. The first thing when you go in to the outer court, you find the altar. This is where they shed the blood of animals and they made the sacrifices, right? Okay. Has that been fulfilled? Jesus, our high priest, once and for all, was slain. Okay? One time. Fulfilled. Here's the laver. They had to wash, okay, before they could go in here. This is your righteousness. So here's the deal. Are you righteous? Well, how righteous are you? Just a little bit righteous? How did you get righteous? Wasn't anything you did. He made you righteous. He's fulfilled it. Okay? Now, this is open for everybody to see, just like your flesh. Everybody can see that. But when you go into here, this was covered with a tent. These, these two were covered with a tent. And it's totally dark in here. Okay? Totally dark in here. And the only thing that brings light in this soulish place was the candlestick, which represents what? Holy Spirit. Why? Because unless Holy Spirit, which is truth, He brings you to truth. Holy Spirit does. See, truth is not an opinion. It's not an idea. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the truth. See, it's Holy Spirit that convicts you and shows you truth. Without Holy Spirit giving you revelation, you can't even see who Jesus is. Why? It's dark. You don't know. The other product in here was what? Here's the table. Table of showbread. Right? The Word of God. The other, is that fulfilled? Has the Word been made flesh? Has the Holy Spirit been given? And anybody know what this one is? Altar of incense. Is He now the one that intercedes for us? So that one's been fulfilled. He sits down at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us, right? So now let's go into the Holy of Holies, okay? Because in here you don't need no light. Why? Because the fullness is in here. See, you have to understand, these were phases to take us into the fullness. I know y'all. I have to assume y'all don't know things because I taught on this, and so I, I want to make sure you're getting this. Um, law? Everybody say law. Church? kingdom now let me give you this transition fathers had this plan the plan was always a son and many sons in the kingdom okay what we have done is we've made the church the focus church is not the focus church is the facilitating structure to legislate the kingdom. The church, okay, is the ecclesia. 
It is to facilitate the structure to extend the kingdom with sons and daughters. So in other words, that's why you shouldn't feel less than when he said, I gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Why? Because they're going to equip in the structure of the church so that you can fulfill what you're called to do in the kingdom, outside the church. That's called the kingdom. Are you with me? So you might go, well, where do I fit in the church? Well, you're being equipped in the church for the kingdom. And we're trying to find our calling in the church. God's called me. I've got to be the praise and worship leader or your children's pastor. What? I'm pretty limited. What? Why? Because 90% of you, your destiny and calling is not inside the structure. The structure is the place that facilitates you with a kingdom view of a son and a daughter to operate in the kingdom. That you're extending the kingdom through your business. Watch this. That is just as important as the person standing right here. Matter of fact, we're here to help equip you that you would do more. The kingdom is greater than the church. Y'all with me? So if there's going to be a transition, Moses represents the law. Okay? But Moses was going to bring this to a place, and we see a shifting come forth. That when Jesus showed up, he come to bring what? Not the church. He didn't say repent for the church is at hand. He come to bring the kingdom. Okay? But here's the problem. You can't, overflow, you can't overtake a kingdom or a government without another government. Or you're just a coup. So in other words, here's the structure of the law that God put down. Okay? In Moses, it was incredible. And this is how they operated. So when Jesus came, he comes saying, look, the kingdom's at hand. And I'm here to point the direction that I'm taking you out of the law and the prophets because I'm here to fulfill the law and the prophets. So how am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to give you a structure called the church. And the church is going to be the structure that I'm going to give gifts to and set people in to equip you for the kingdom. His agenda is not the church. His agenda is the kingdom. But he couldn't take you from the law to the kingdom. He had to transition you from the law into a church because he's going to build the church. Who's the ch- Now, listen, when I'm saying that, you're thinking building. You're thinking services on Sunday morning. I'm talking about you. <laughs> he's got to get you into the place where you understand who you are, that you carry the presence of God, that you're a son, that the identity's in you so that you can walk here. Okay? Not by the soul, not just in the flesh, but by the spirit. Okay? We're still trying to get in there when we should have been in here walking this way. So let's look at this. What's in the box? Three things. 
rod that budded, jar of manna, and the Ten Commandments. Where's the Ten Commandments today? Written on your heart, ain't they? What is the rod that budded? So is a stick that's dead and come back to life. You've been born again. It represents resurrection life, something from dead. Jesus did it so that you could do it. See, we make a big deal about Jesus being raised from the dead, right? So were you. That's what happened when you got born again. You were raised from the dead. <laughs> Matter of fact, he even qualifies it and says you were crucified with him. Okay, then you have the jar of manna. What's the jar of manna? Every day, they got manna every day. In other words, you have a relationship to hear God every day. Where? Here. We're still here trying to figure out if it's God or not. Why? Because your mind, your will, and emotions are freaking out. You hadn't learned to walk in the Spirit. You with me? Just letting, letting y'all grab some of this. See, he told us he would build the church. See, that's why the problem is we tried to build the church in America. We said, I mean, we say, okay, you're an apostle. You're a prophet. You're a teacher. You're an intercessor. You're a children's church. See, we tried to build it. That's why we can't build it because we're trying to build without sons. It says he sets them in the church. He's the one that qualifies them. And I promise you, Jesus put sons in there. In America, we put giftings. We put people that got money. <laughs> okay, you're getting real quiet. <clears throat> but the thing is, it, as he builds the church, then the kingdom gets extended. Who extends the kingdom? The sons and daughters. The king always rules and reigns through his sons and daughters. To do that, you have to push authority. You have to raise them up in sonship and release. And listen, releasing authority means they're going to fall down and hurt themselves. You're going to pick them back up. And no matter what they do, look, I believe in you. See, what's so sad about the story of the prodigal son? Both of them didn't know who they were. One goes away and comes back, and he's just going to come back as a servant. I've been so bad, I'm just going to come back as a servant. And daddy's position is, oh, my gosh, my son's back and throws a party. The other one is there. He's been there the whole time going, well, you ain't never done this for me. And he's going, look, everything I have is yours. Both of them don't see themselves as sons. That's the tragedy. Both of them. The great thing about the story is we see daddy's heart. Okay? But the problem is the kingdom's not being established. Because you've got one wanting his inheritance and going, waste it. Then you've got another one that's hiding it and don't want to do nothing with it, afraid of losing it. Oh, I'm faithful. Oh, I show up. But you ain't done nothing. Why? Because you have a servant's mentality and when daddy dies, I'm going to get this. And then you're going to reproduce exactly what you are. 
Are you with me? Okay. So maybe yes, no. Chapter 3. Verse 2, who was faithful to him appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. What's Moses' house? Everybody say the law. The tabernacle. He, he was faithful to set it up the way God told him to set it up. All the laws, all the do's, all the don'ts, all that stuff, right? For every house is built by someone, but he who builds all things is God. Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. For a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. Did you hear that? This was a testimony of things to come. But Christ. Everybody say, but Christ. As a son over his house. Over his own house. Whose house we are. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says. Talks about not hardening your heart, right? You see that? And it's talking about the glory that Moses has and the glory that the Son has. Okay? And I made reference to this last night. When it's talking about going from glory to glory, it's talking about going from Moses' glory, the law, which it did have glory. I mean, the glory is so great that Moses come down off the mountain and he had to cover his face. He don't even have the kingdom in him. He's not even a son. He's a servant. But he's operating in the future back before it was relevant for everybody else. Now, I want you to get this. In other words, everybody on the face of the earth and one man was experiencing God's glory. And then one man in the law got to experience it one time a year. <laughs> so, see, if we try to keep it in here, we'll build the one-man system. We'll build the one-man ministry. We'll build, oh, we've got to go over there because that's where the glory is. The next TBN preacher. Over here, it's happening over here. Got to go get this guy. That's never the heart of God. It was never the heart of God for him to build it on one man. But the people said, we're afraid of God. Moses, go talk to him. Come back, tell us what he says. I mean, you really want a translation? Their knees knocked and they pooped their pants. That's really what happened. When he thundered on the mountain, that's what happened. That's what the people did. And listen, Moses didn't want it. Moses was like, okay, I got him out. Okay, here you go. He's like, I'm done. I don't want this. And then he was trying to do it in his own strength. And his father-in-law comes and said, hey, dummy, you better get you some leaders. He didn't know how to do it. I mean, think about how humble Moses is. These guys are griping and complaining, always coming against him. Okay, he intercedes and says, please don't kill them, God. They'll hear this and think that you can't do what you said. And those are the very people that kept him from going into the promised land. It's a whole other story. So have these things, these three things been fulfilled? On your heart, resurrection life, you have the right... Manna every single day. Okay? Now, stay here just for a second, just to throw you a curveball. Y'all ready for a curveball? Okay. 
One time a year, the priest got to go in, and he would go in here. Draw me a little priest here. Give him a little hair. And he's happy. Okay. <clears throat> the scary thing is if you go in there, they might have to pull you out with a rope. Come on, if you, if you didn't do everything right and you got some stuff going on, you might die in this place. So, you know, it wasn't like everybody jumping up and down to be that guy anyway. You understand what I'm saying? You don't offer up strange fire or you become bacon. Right? So, he would go in there once a year and, and the cloud would settle on them. Right? And it represented God's glory. Okay? Same thing with Moses. The cloud would come on the t- and it represented, hey, But they just watched it. They didn't get to encounter it. It's kind of like church. The leaders up here tell you about all these things they encounter. And, oh, I'm so awesome. And y'all give me your money. And but it's, it's, I'm special and I'm anointed. And it's my ministry. And <laughs> but the issue is, see, we, we, we have to be the ones. Yes, we're called. Yes, we're anointed. But we've got to be the ones that are Giving you the kingdom. Identity, equipping, and sonship. Did you know the church is not even the place to get saved? <gasps> oh, did I say that? <laughs> it says the church is a place to equip the saints. Yeah. Salvation should be happening out in the kingdom. Right. From the sons and daughters. Yeah. But what do we do? We invite somebody to church. Yeah. We invite them to come to our structure. Our legislative ecclesia. And we wonder why they go, I don't know what y'all are talking about. I don't understand all that. Why are you giving money? Why are you raise your... You're bringing them into your legislative structure. I, I'm, that, that's like going out on the side of the road, okay? No, let me get better. That's like going into the prison. Getting an inmate... And bringing him into the White House. And then asking him, don't you want to make decisions in our legislative structure to help the government? And he's going, what? Do you know who I am? I steal from you. And then we use these things. We use these things like, if you don't confess God, then he, He's not going to confess you. Right now, if you don't come out and be bold and come down here and confess Him before men, how are they going to be bold? They ain't got Him yet. So what we do is we manipulate them. You don't know what's going to happen when you walk out that door. You die in a car wreck and you're going to hell. And all of a sudden they go, oh, okay, I'm going to say who wouldn't? When I was a kid, I went to the altar every Sunday just to make sure. Why? Because they preached hell so bad. I didn't come out of relationship. I came out of fear. But guess what? I went home same way I came. Nothing changed. Why? Because God don't give a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. They weren't preaching relationship. They were preaching rescue mission. Right? I didn't want to go to hell. To be honest with you, I didn't want to go to heaven either. 
Because they said, all we're going to do is fall on our face and say, holy, holy, holy. And I said, I, I want to live. I want to have kids. I, I want And you know what? God made us to live here. He made us a planet. <laughs> I don't understand why people are in such a big hurry to get off of what God made you. <laughs> if you're experiencing Him here, you're not so excited about getting there. And I promise you, really, none of y'all are excited about going there. Not today. If you are, I got a 45 up here. We can. You want to go there, you just don't want to go today. <laughs> Matter of fact, if you get sick, you'll ask us to pray for you. Why? Because you want to live. You know why? Because he's life. And he's life abundantly. Where? Wherever you are. And guess what? Right now, I'm here. I want life here. That's what eternal life is. It says, John says eternal life is knowing him. Okay. So Aaron was this priest, right? Let's call him Amen. Okay. So once a year he goes in here, does all the atoning, right? The blood and the sacrifices and all this stuff he has to go through. And then he does what? Comes out. Comes out. Comes out. What does he do now? All these people out here. Okay, these are people. They don't look like it, but that's y'all. What does he do when he comes out of there? Tells him what God told him. But once a year, what would he do? What did he go in there for? To atone for their sin for how long? One more year. So he would come out of there for one more year to atone for their sin and release the people of the judgment. Right? Remember the heifer? He was a scapegoat. Put his hands on the scapegoat and turn him loose. Put the sin of the people on that. Right? Are y'all with me? See, some of y'all don't read the Bible. It's hard to understand who you are if you don't go back to the pattern of who he created you to be. This is a type and shadow of who you are. Now, I'm going to take a little liberty here. and just I'm just going to throw this in and go on. Okay? Throw it and go. Did Jesus become our high priest? He did, didn't he? Okay. So everything that Aaron did in this was a type and shadow. So that means then Jesus had to do that in the real. He had to do it in the real. Where's the real one at? So I wonder why they couldn't find his body. Because his body... It was the altar. Remember, he had to fulfill it. Not just here, he has to fulfill it there. And he became our righteousness. He became our word. He became flesh. The Holy Spirit that's going to be sent to us. Come on, he had to go back to heaven before he could send the Holy Spirit to us. Picked up the altar of incense. He became our intercession. Then he sat down by daddy. Right? Then what's he going to do? When's he going to come back? What did Aaron do? Why did Aaron have to come out? Had to release the people of their sin. 
So if Jesus hadn't come back, your sin still remains. Everybody's going, oh my gosh, this is getting spooky. But just, I want you to think about it. I'm, I'm just being practical. Did he become our high priest? So he had to, this is a type and shadow. So Jesus had to do this. Okay? But when he was here, he prophesied what he was going to do. And the pinnacle of the law, the pinnacle of sin during that day was what? The law. It was in Jerusalem. And what did they do in this tabernacle in Jerusalem? They were slaughtering animals. It was the law. It was the old system. Okay? So remember, when Jesus showed up, he says, I'm bringing the kingdom. I'm going to give you the church. I'm going to build the church so I can bring the kingdom. The church is the legislative government that's going to enforce the kingdom. Okay. Let's take the legislative government for America. Do they make laws? And they can make laws that trump the prior law. They make an amendment and they... Jesus came to fulfill the law and... So everything that Jesus, that was prophesied and the law, Jesus come to fulfill it. Okay? So what, to get into the holy place, what was the pinnacle of what they had to do? Sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Sacrifice. Bloodshed. Bloodshed. Come on, say it. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Bloodshed. Bloodshed. When did that end? Did it end when Jesus died? It didn't, did it? When Jesus left, they still had the tabernacle in Jerusalem, and they still brought animals, and they still sacrificed, and they still went through this process. But while he was here, he spoke and said, I'm going to judge that process. I'm going to fulfill that. I'm going to bring it down. Not one stone will be left on another. Come on. So the issue is, if Aaron had to come out and judge the people and release their sin, and Jesus is our high priest, he had to do the same thing. Now what we do is, we every time you talk about Jesus returning, it's always... This guy coming on the white horse to take us on a rapture or thing. Okay? But let me give you an example here. Jesus said, he, uh, it'll be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Did Jesus come physically or he come in judgment? It'll be like the days of Noah. Did he come physically or did he judge the world with rain? So if he's our high priest... The reason he had to come back out of here and come back was to do what? To judge our sin. So he's not talking about the physical return. It's not talking about the, a physical return to come get us and take us to heaven. In context, he's got to do what Aaron did because this is the type and shadow. So he had to come in judgment. Why? To remove our sin. So how do we know if that happened? Did this stop? That's pretty easy. He said that's what he was going to do, Matthew 24. Did he do it? Did it stop? 
Why are we freaking out over it? I don't know why we, oh my gosh, you're, you're talking about Jesus already came. I missed it. Thank God he came. Your sin doesn't remain anymore. That's better preaching than what y'all looking at me. <laughs> See, Pastor Jared told you, your belief system affects your thoughts and your emotions and your behavior. So when I start talking about this, some of y'all are getting mad at me. But I'm not teaching anything that ain't in the book. I'm telling you what's in the book. He had, listen, he is a God that does it legally. That's why legally he had to shed his blood. And legally he had to come back out of that place. Let me give you a scripture. Y'all want one? Chapter 8. Hebrews. Look at verse 4. For if he were on the earth... He would not be a priest, since they are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of what? Heavenly things. As Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Everybody say, More excellent ministry. Inasmuch, he is a mediator of a better covenant, which is established on better promises. Now, how is it a better covenant? We don't have to deal with our sin every year. We don't have shame and guilt anymore. You don't have to. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Well, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, according to the covenant I made with their fathers. Okay? Y'all see that? Okay. Look at verse 13. What's he talking about? Talking about that old system, the law and the shifting. Look at verse 13. He says, In that he says, a new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, you have to understand, this is in the book of Hebrews when it was written. Hebrews was written a little bit before 70 AD. So what is he saying? He's saying, I've moved you out of this place. Okay, the law, Moses. We're operating in the church age with... Paul and Jesus. Jesus, he ushered in the kingdom to bring the church. Okay? In other words, he's speaking of the higher, but he's going to go through this to facilitate this. That's why it's called saving of your soul. Right? Our soul gets saved. Okay? So here's the church in this age that I call it the church age when Jesus came, died, sent the Holy Spirit into places that, in here, okay? Why? So he could take us into here. Because in here, there's no sin. In here, there's no darkness. No shadow of turning. In here is the fullness of the Godhead. Come on. In here, all things are possible, those that believe. In here is sonship, those that are led by the Spirit. Are you following me? 
So see, we have been so ingrained with this idea of Jesus come back, Jesus come back, Jesus come back. We've missed the whole process that he did come in judgment to take away our sin so that we could be sons and live from here, not from here. Let me put it to you like this. You ever, if you've done this, it's okay. I've done it before. We used to preach. You know, got to walk out your, your salvation with fear and trembling. He wasn't talking to you. He's talking to the church age. Why? Because they were in the transition from the law into the church that would bring forth the kingdom. You say, how do you know this? Because I know that when he judged that old system, okay, Paul was already talking about it. Paul was saying, he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. Where does that come from? That comes from the spirit. You ain't going to get that in this soul's realm. Your emotions will freak out on you. I mean, you're saved one day, and the next day you're not. It all depends on what you did that day. I messed up. All... No, this is an absolute. Why is it an absolute? Because Jesus took care of it. Just like he took care of it. Just like he had took care of it for all of Israel, Jesus did it for... And so he gives everybody the right to now live here. Why? That's sonship. That's where Jesus lived while he was here. Where did he live? In complete communion with Daddy. Not living by his will, soulish realm, but by daddy's will, spirit realm, sonship. If you walk by the spirit, you are the... So I, I'm not making it up. Now, let me give you a scripture. Got to find it. Chapter 9, verse Holy Spirit indicating this. So the Holy Spirit's pointing to something, okay? Indicating this. The way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing did, did y'all just hear what he said I, I'm not making it up it's right there in my book is it in your book so what Jesus said he meant that I'm going to bring this system this law system down and to you the system is the tabernacle that was in Jerusalem where they were doing the sacrifices. He said, not one stone will be left on another. I'm going to bring down this system. And it said, the Holy Spirit indicating when Hebrews was written, into the Holy of Holies has not been made manifest yet until, everybody say until. Until, until 
the old tabernacle that was, was on the earth in Jerusalem came down. Is it still standing? So you have access to that. And the reason you have access to that is because your high priest settled it. He atoned for your sin once and for all. He judged that old system. And how do we know it, that it, it was judged? Any, this is how you know when it was judged. It don't happen no more. That's pretty simple to see. Up until that time, exactly what he said, it was happening. When that old temple came down, it quit happening. It don't take a scientist to figure it out. He meant what he said. He judged it. Can I mess with them? Eric's like, I don't know. <laughs> Chapter 8. <laughs> yeah. Chapter 8. Now, this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Who's he talking about? Jesus, where's the true tabernacle? In heaven, okay? Uh, who's the instructor of the tabernacle now? Jesus, because you're it, right? Okay. For every high priest is appointed both to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it's necessary that this one also having something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow. Who's he talking about? people of Moses it's a copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed he was about to make the tabernacle for he said see that you make all things according to the pattern shown on the mountain but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant okay do y'all see that all right I'm about to shift this one for you because this gets really weird you ready for being weird? Chapter 9, because remember I ended with the verse that says, what's growing old and vanishing. Okay, stay with me. If it's vanishing, it means he's doing away with it because he's fulfilling it. All right? Are you with me? When the book of Hebrews was written, has Jesus come? No, physically, had he come to the earth? Had he died on the cross? Had he resurrected? Yes. Had he poured out his spirit? Yes. So he had apostles. The church has been birthed. Yes. So watch this. You get ready? Jesus is a magician. You think it's there and it's not. Read the book. For a tabernacle was prepared. The first part, which is the lampstand. Chapter 9, let's start in 1. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of a divine service and an earthly sanctuary. That's Moses's, right? For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand and the table and the showbread, which is called the... Did, did y'all see what he just did? He done away with it. Why did he do away with it? Because he's already died. He already paid the price on the altar. 
He already made you righteous. He moved right in and called this the first part. Called it the church or the sanctuary. He said, we're right here. That's what he says. He said, this is where we're at right now. (laughs) Oh, my God. When I saw, I thought, my. Why? He's fulfilling it. See, we think fulfilled is positionally it was done. But now it had to be carried through. And the church was legislating it and carrying it through. That's why it said when when Paul was writing, he said, Now the church, through the manifested wisdom of God, is making known to the principalities and powers. What's they're saying? There's a kingdom that's here. And it's not like the old kingdom where you were left in charge, buddy. But we're a legislative governmental body. And we come to take over. And take back what the first Adam gave to you. Because the second Adam has showed up. Paid the price. And he's fulfilling the whole system. And they were in the church at that time. And they were making manifest to those principalities and powers. Those strongholds that had developed in people. And they're saying, you're coming down. You're coming down because my daddy's in charge. And because he's the king, I'm going to be a son. And through this structure of government, I'm going to legislate through this body of government. And through this body of government called the church, we're going to manifest the power of God to show you you're not in control anymore. He came as a president to show us this. Demon, come out. Healing, sickness, raising from the dead. And the works that he does, we will do greater. How can we do those works? He said, because I go to the So what does that mean? Because he went to the Father and judged this thing, now it gives us right to go to where Daddy is, not just live out of the soulish realm. We're no longer trying to get to him. We carry him. It's in us. We are this part. This was the transition from the church age into the kingdom age. And Revelation says in the kingdom age, of his rule and reign, there is no end. What does that mean? The enemy can't ever take over. It ain't ever going to go back. (laughs) It's not just done positionally now. It's done. Now you just have to come into that authority going oh my gosh it's in me now see we're still trying to get to heaven oh man let's get to heaven someday no he's brought it to live on the inside of you and so guess what even the structure and the governmental of the church now resides in you that yes you come together corporately but everywhere you go you're a legislative governmental person To release the kingdom. What's the kingdom? I'm going to prove to you my king reigns. How did Jesus prove it? Sickness, be healed. Devil, come out. But see, if you're still here, you know what you're doing? Oh, man, if I can get enough faith up. And you're going, I hope this devil listens to me. 
come out in, in, in the gospel that Eric preaches. All right, that didn't work. Come to my church. We got some people there that can help you. Come on. Now listen, I know I'm, but I want to tell you, it's finished. Whether you believe it or not, there's nothing I can do about that. But it is finished. And you are a son. Whether you ever move into it or not, you're a son. Why would Jesus make this proclamation that you will do greater works than him? How can you believe that? You cannot believe that here. You can't believe it. You'll try, but you'll never see the works. You can't believe it there. Why? Your soul will talk you out of it. That's not where the belief system is. The belief system, who you are, is here. This is what got born again, your spirit. And in your spirit, you have the fullness. Let me prove to you. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in who? Jesus. It said that pleased God that the fullness of the Godhead. Well, what's the fullness? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Understand, Jesus come to fulfill them all. So if he come to fulfill them all and to take this and now to put it in you, where is the fullness? What does that mean? As a son representing the kingdom, whatever you need at any particular moment or time can be facilitated through you because you have access to heaven because heaven now lives in you. So you have access as a son in inheritance to pull whatever you need from heaven down through you to steward it, to release it into the kingdom. You're a legislative governmental body. You're the ecclesia. It's an absolute. Whether you move into it or not, but it is an absolute. It's a done deal. You know why most people don't like this message? Now it puts the responsibility on you. You can't hang on to the knot and ask Jesus just to come get me. Oh, I just hang on. And so, listen, here's our belief system. We really can't change the world. We do the best we can, but we really can't. But yet, in the next breath over here, you're praying, Devil, you're under my feet. Which one is it? Think about it. We say, well, you know, he, he is the God of this world. No, he's not. He's not the God of this world. He used to be. But my brother said, I see you falling like lightning. Paul said, soon you're going to be crushed underneath my feet. That's Romans 16, 19. That's in the book of Romans. Why did he say soon he's going to be crushed underneath his feet? Because he was speaking to the judgment that Jesus was released. Why would he be crushed underneath his feet? Because sin would be dealt with. The tabernacle would come down. Give you one more scripture that'll help you. Okay. Turn with me to Corinthians. I gotta find it. I'm looking.
2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, when you start to move into this, all of a sudden, scriptures that you never could understand are going to start to pop. You're going to go, oh my gosh, I've had this the whole time and didn't know it, elder brother. It's exactly what happens. When I start seeing it, I'm going, how come I never saw this before? You know what he said? You didn't want to see it. Because when you see it, then there's responsibility with it. You know why? Because they're going to call you a heretic. Why? Because that's what they call Jesus. They're going to call you an adulterer. They're going to say you're preaching another gospel. I'm just telling you what's coming. I saw a picture of you this morning. <clears throat> I didn't sleep too good. And so when I can't sleep, might as well pray, right? And I saw you as a fetus, and you were in the womb. I was like, God, what is it? He said, I'm just going to tell you what he said. He said, they've been comfortable with my protection. He said, but the term is up, and the baby needs to be birthed. I guess y'all never been to a birthing. It ain't pretty. There's some crying and some hollering and pain. And, and, and you know what? That baby don't want to come out. Why? It's safe. I'm just telling you, it's in a protected atmosphere. But God didn't put this church here to be in a protected atmosphere. He put this church here to take the region. You're a governmental legislative body to release sons and daughters to take the kingdom and release it in the earth. But the baby goes, uh-uh, I don't stay in church. I'll prophesy here. I'll pray for people here. I'll be a heretic in here. <laughs> but watch this. The lost people didn't call Jesus a heretic. Do you understand what's happening? You're being seduced by a religious spirit. It's keeping you in fear to make you stay in the church. So it's church people that will call you a heretic. It's church people that will call you, you're, 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 you're preaching a new gospel. You know why? Because it is a religious spirit. It's nothing new. It's the same thing the religious leaders did to John the Baptist. Same thing they did to Jesus. Because their issue was the structure. This is our structure. You've got to come through us. They became God. Jesus put the emphasis on daddy and the kingdom. When you put emphasis on daddy and the kingdom, you lose control. <laughs> but you ain't never supposed to be in control. Now watch what Paul says. Chapter 5, Corinthians. For now, so when is now? When he was writing this, right? If our earthly house, this tent, what's a tent? It's temporary, isn't it? So Paul's saying, this earthly house that he lived in then, he said he calls it a tent, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. What's he talking about? This. He's talking about this has been made in the heavens. He's saying, I'm still living in a tent. Want to be unclothed, but 
further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by remember truth way where's life what's he saying he said I'm clothed right here I got salvation right here this is already done I got righteousness right here it's already done but I want to be further clothed that life fully where? Not so I can go there, but that this in heaven would come here. And I have the assurance that wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I have a relationship with Daddy anytime I want. It's an absolute. It's a done deal. Verse 5, now, when's now, then, he who has prepared us for this very thing, God who also has given us a spirit of guarantee. (laughs) Did y'all hear what I just said? He gave them the Holy Spirit when? At the birthing of the church. He said, God has prepared us for this, Paul's saying. How do we know he's prepared us? He's given us the guarantee of the Spirit. And that guarantee of the Spirit has promised us, it is truth. It has promised us life. How do I know? I'm glad you asked. I heard it in the Spirit. Turn with me to Ephesians. Chapter 1, verse 11. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. What's our inheritance? Jesus. When Jesus comes, what does he do? He brings heaven. Being predestined according to the purpose of him works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of? Well, if I make you a promise, you don't have it yet. If I say, Tammy, I'm going to give you $100 tomorrow. Does she have the $100? No, but I'm making her a promise that I'm going to give it to you. If you want to know what the promise is, go back and find it with Abraham. He made Abraham a promise. The promise is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the promise. So what's the promise? If the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a... The Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a... So what's the What's the promise? The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Who's the purchased possession? You are. You're the purchased possession. Adam gave it away. 
the second Adam come to get it back. And he left and sent you the Holy Spirit that would bear witness with your spirit that the fullness of sonship, the way he had it with daddy, is coming to you. That was his greatest prayer. I pray that you're going to be one with daddy the way I was one with daddy. Is that what he prayed? So he said, you don't understand these things now, but I'm going to send the spirit of promise. And that spirit is going to bear witness with your spirit that you are a son and that you're going to be moved into the fullness of what me and daddy has. When will it happen? When I judge this old system that is now growing old and becoming obsolete. I've already removed this part. One part's already done. Better covenant, better promises. Are, are, are you with me? You remember, he don't do away with anything. He fulfills it. Jesus had to fulfill it. Not only did he fulfill it here, he had to go to the heavens and fulfill it. This whole thing had to be dealt with in the heavens. And then when the earthly tabernacle came down, this was completely open. Why? Because he judged it. Let me ask you something. Can you have a new covenant without judging the old covenant? In other words, you can't move into another government that's going to rule and reign if you don't deal with the last government. That's why he said, I come to fulfill the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill it. Let me give you a scripture. Y'all looking at me funny and I'll quit. Acts chapter 3, verse 22. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Who's he talking about? Talking about Jesus. In all things, whatever he says to you, it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet, every what? Every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes. And all, everybody say all. You know what that means in the Greek? All. So all the prophets from Samuel. Who was the first prophet? Samuel. Who was the last prophet? John the Baptist. All the prophets. So that means Daniel was in that mix too, right? Okay, just making sure. All the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold of not our days, those days. That's why Peter was quoting a prophet saying, Joel prophesied about this and we're in it. So when Peter got up and said, this is the last days, what was he talking about? These last right here because they're about to move into a whole new administration called the kingdom. And when you move into the kingdom, there is no end to the kingdom. Revelation said, of his kingdom. Now, what does that mean? Are you saying Jesus ain't coming back? No, I ain't saying that. I'm just saying what the absolute is. It's his kingdom now. It doesn't matter what the world looks like out there. It's his. The enemy is not in control anymore. 
He has been brought down. He is underneath our feet. Whether you believe it or not, it's an absolute. So you know what we do? We make excuses for our experiences. And when our experience don't show us that we have authority over the enemy, we say, well, you know, we're doing the best we can. Your experience don't change the Word of God. What's done is done. So if anybody knows this gospel, if anybody knows this gospel, they gave their life for this gospel. They died for what they believe in. In the book of Acts, who do you think it would be? The first martyr, Stephen, right? Why did they kill Stephen? Because they had to kill him for something he was saying. And Stephen was taught by the apostles. So the apostles believed something that he imparted to Stephen. Not only imparted to Stephen, he imparted it to all of Israel that believed. And it was so radical what they believed that they went out and sold their houses and their land. I wonder why they sold their houses and their land. Because judgment was coming on Jerusalem. And their houses and land was going to be taken by Titus' army. That's history. Now it makes sense when you go, oh, that's why they did that. I mean, if that's the apostles' doctrine, y'all, I'll go sell your houses and land and bring me your money. <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to bring all that into this age, just bring that too. I, I'd like for you, because I'm an apostle. I am because I say I am. <laughs> but think about it. If the apostles' doctrine, Stephen would know what the apostles' doctrine is. Because he's going to give his life for it. So let's find out why they killed him. Don't cheat. Chapter 6, verse 14. We're talking about Stephen. They said, for we have heard him say, talking about Stephen, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. <laughs> you want to know what the apostles' doctrine is? Stephen said, this guy named Jesus, he's going to fulfill all y'all's customs. And he's going to judge Jerusalem. And they said, we're going to kill you. Was he, was he in that place that he was hearing, Father? No, not only that, they go to stone him. And what does he say? Okay, I'm, I'm going to quit with this. My gosh. I, I get so excited about this stuff. It's just worth it to me. Because I ask questions I guess other people don't ask. When Jesus... Did all that. He went up and what did he do? He sat down, didn't he? What did Stephen say? Mm. Because Psalms 110 says this. The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until your enemies be made your footstool. Sit here until. Sit here until. Why did Jesus get up? 
Why is he standing at the right hand of the Father? You don't get up unless you're fixing to go somewhere. Or maybe you don't get up unless you're about to welcome somebody in there. Some of y'all's mind may be going there. Because when you died before Jesus, you didn't go to heaven. You went to Abraham's bosom. Jesus has now died and resurrected. Could it be that Stephen was the first one? Could it be that he got up because death has now been defeated? Could it be that he got up because death is defeated and no longer will his sons be separated from him? And now they get to go to heaven? Doesn't, it doesn't. Whether you believe it or not, you cannot argue with Scripture. Somewhere you got to go, oh my gosh. It says it over and over and over. Sit here until. So if he got up, until is until. Death has been defeated. Death means separation from God. He stood up. And that's why Stephen saw him. Because he was escorted right into his presence. That's good news. You know why that's good news? Because he was a foreshadow of what we were going to operate in here. We don't have to go there to be in his presence. Now it's come here. Well, you wanted sonship. Do you understand you can't preach this everywhere? Not yet. But I'm telling you, it's coming. It's coming. You're a forerunner to it. You're not behind. You're a forerunner to it. God's picked this place, and he's picking them all over the place. Bill Johnson and them, they're forerunners to it. It's happening. Now, I'm not saying we understand everything. We know everything. But I can tell you, how did we skip, skip over those scriptures and never see them? Because you can't see it if you're blind. But once you see, then you can't keep from seeing. And I promise you, this is what happens. And, and there'll be people here today, they're going, I, I, just, I don't get it. I don't see it. It's okay. You know how long I was in this before I saw it? But once I saw it, it all changed then. And I realized if I'm a son, everything that was accessible to Jesus is now accessible to me. Everything. The problem is, can I believe it? I can't have mental capacity. I can't believe it in my soul. My soul talked me out of it. But if I'll get here, because this is a place of encounters with the Godhead. It's an absolute. It's the highest law. You can always overcome, okay, lower laws with the highest law. There's a law of gravity. Watch this. But as long as you can keep an engine going and gas in an airplane, the law of thrust and force 
can always beat the law of gravity. Right? The spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has set me free from the law of sin and death. What's sin and death? What Adam let in separated me from my God. Okay? The highest law is the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Where's Christ Jesus? Now lives in me. So as long as I'm in communication with Daddy, with Jesus, with Holy Spirit, I can operate here. And I can always overcome the law of sin and death. Now, I'd like to tell you I'm there all the time. Okay? When she, I'm ending with this, Pastor. When, when Sheila died, okay, she had a tubal pregnancy and died. I know this freaks people out. I never prayed for her to be raised from the dead. About three months before, I'd had a prophetic word over her. And I said, the queen of heaven is going to come and try to kill you. You said, what in the world does that mean? I have no idea. I didn't know what the queen of heaven was. Okay? She's laying on the hospital bed, and, and, and I know she's dying. I can see the color going out of her face. And you have to understand, this is how we operate. She said, do you have a word? Sonship. What does that mean? She's saying, have you heard from Daddy? What's going on? What has God said? Do you have a word? And I said, no, but I'm going to get one. Because the bottom line is, whatever God says, then everything else is irrelevant. Because whatever he says, death's been defeated. Everything's been defeated. Everything's under his rule and reign. It's whatever he says. So I got in the truck because they were going to life flight her out. And the enemy said this to me. I don't, know, I don't know how you want to call it. That's just what come up. He said, what are you going to do now that she died? Because by the time we got in the truck, they had come out and said, she, she just died. She didn't make it. And I said, I'm going to do what God sent me here to do. Now, that came from my spirit. That didn't come from my soul because in my soul, I was freaking out. And I heard Daddy say this. I told you the Queen of Heaven was going to come and try to kill her oh now I have received a word from right there now everything else is irrelevant death is irrelevant so when the doctor says she didn't make it I said no she's coming and he's going no you don't understand they called me and said, I said no you don't understand she's coming now people in the waiting room Two months before, one of my spiritual sons had a car wreck and died. Twice. Had, had it on tape. Not always fun being a father and prophetic. And I gave him a word. And I said, I see two roads for you, son. And I said, you got to choose. I said, this one, I see promises. I see covenant. I see all this. I said, this one, I see you bogged down. I see a wreck. I see death. And God says this to you. You will not have a second chance to fulfill what God's asking you to do right now. Now, you understand, that ain't a good word. And it was a specific word to him in his circumstances. Okay? 
So we get a phone call. On Boggy Depot Road, he had a car wreck. He was bleeding eternally. Same thing that was happening to Sheila. And I'm going down there, and I know, God, what are you saying? i got to have a word. Okay? Because they're saying there's no hope. And I said, God, i got to have a word. He said, I gave it to him twice. And I remembered the two prophetic words that I gave him, and I went, wasn't nothing I can do. Heaven has spoken. Now, listen. I'm still with everything I'm ha- saying. God, have mercy. God, change your mind. But the issue, I, I knew God had spoken. Her mo- the mom comes in and says, you go raise him from the dead. You can do it. Man, that's my spiritual son. I mean, the kid was just uh, incredible kid. If you compared his life and my life to sin, I, I should have been dead, not him. You understand what I'm saying? It's, God don't see it that way. But the issue is I'd heard God. And unless God's going to say something else, there's nothing I can do. And I had to walk out because I had to get away from everybody because I said, man, i got to hear. God, are you changing your mind? You know, I'm, I'm throwing prayers up. And God told me something specifically to do. And as soon as I did it, his spirit left. And I got up, and they, they were walking to me. They said, he just died. I said, I know. I just released him. Now, I'm not going to go into that because that's an encounter, but I know what God told me to do. I know he's in heaven. That's not an issue. Now, you have to understand, two months later, we're back in the same hospital, same people, dealing with the same issue. But I got a different word. And all those people, they're praying, but but you, you could feel it. When I walked in, it was almost like, oh, here we go again. And I walked in and I said, hey, has any of y'all got a deck of cards? I'm sure they were going, he's in shock. <laughs> and I said, listen, guys, I have a word. She's going to make it. I said, I'm not saying don't keep praying. But we're not here begging for her life. We're not here. She's going to make it. I got a word from God. You have to understand, I, I don't know how to explain it. There's no way I can explain all I know is when, when you get it here, it, it's done. I didn't have a doubt at all. I, I was there. It was, it was already done. I'd heard from God. I'd never prayed. I know that sounds weird. But why am I going to pray for something that he just told me? It's done. I just started thanking him for it. I was like, man, God, I think. Doctor's coming out. I mean, he's shaking his head. You flew, she flew over two hospitals. Why would she? Come? And they told me she would dead. And he's just going through all this stuff. Now watch this because this is pretty powerful. He doesn't know that she's hemorrhaging because they didn't tell her because she died. So when she gets there, she looks like she's six months pregnant. So they take her into the room and they... They bring me in there. The doctor brings me in there, okay? And they're prepping her. I'm standing there, and the nurse across from her starts making sexual advances at me. What, what do you think's trying to happen? If he can get me off of that word God just gave me, she's going to die. I knew exactly what it was. You understand what I'm saying? Now, the doctor made a little cut in her, and, of course, 
blood just started going. He went, oh, my gosh, she's hemorrhaging. He thought she was just six months pregnant. <laughs> he didn't know because I didn't tell him because she wasn't supposed to be there. She goes in there, goes into operation. The, the, all the nurses were, were spirit-filled and praying over her the whole time the operation was going on. The doctor comes out. He's still doing this. He goes, I don't understand it. She, she made it. She, she hears it. I mean, he's just doing this. Just, I said, I told you. He said, but why me? I said, because God's got to call on. And I started prophesying to that doctor. Two days later, she's walking down the hall prophesying to the two guys that flew her down here. They lost her three times and brought her back. And she started prophesying over them. You're not just there to fly that helicopter. God is you. I mean, she just, I mean, everybody's crying. So how can you operate like that? It comes from that place. When you hear it in this place, it's done. Everything else has to change, but his word will not change. He just needs sons and daughters that come into agreement with what he says, and the government can change. Your state can change. Your family can change. Your marriage can change. Your relationships can change. I don't care what it is. You get a word from there, everything has to change except his word. But our experiences have told us otherwise. How do we get there? How does that happen? Pastor Jared told you. He gave you the answer. Just swallow go. Don't run. I promise you, you're going to feel like all this stuff. Emotions are going to hit you. Reject. Why is it happening like that? You know why? Because all these areas that are happening in here, you feel like you're at your weakest, but you're actually at your strongest. Where you're weak. And so everything that is in you that is strong, he's bringing up. It's not the enemy doing it. It's God doing it. Why? Because all that stuff comes off when you get into here. So it's got to stop you before you get into there. So he does it through religion and tell you it's not available. Come on, he does it through strongholds and experiences to tell you that he's not good. He has favorites. He loves somebody more than he does you. All these, it happens in your belief system that you, and you work it out in here. So sometimes you're feeling, oh, he's a good daddy. And then sometimes, man, he's not so good. And it's just up and down, roller coaster with your emotions. And we sing that song. He's good. Here he is. Because in here, everything is seen different. Everything. He said, well, what happens if you die tomorrow? I'll be with him. Just a shortcut home. Why would I be afraid of death? It's been defeated. I have no fear of death. Only reason you have fear of death if you're in a service room. Does that mean you don't hurt? No. I mean, I hurt that my mama passed away. Okay, I love her. She's my mama. But the issue is, unless he comes, we're all going that route. Sorry to tell you. 
But the issue is you can have life here. And if you have life here and you have him, there really is no death. You know what it is? You just step outside of your flesh into that realm with him. You just lose the shell. No more P90X. What's, what's bad news about that? Now listen, I'm not saying I'm ready to go right now because I, I want to fulfill what God's put me to do and family and friends. But the issue is if, if there's no fear of death, what's he got? How can he get you? How can he intimidate you? Well, I'm going to take the church. Ain't mine anyway. I'm going to kill you. You'd done done it if you could. Well, your kids are going to be heathens. No, they're not. They're going to carry my righteousness DNA, and i got the right to prophesy and decree over them, and they're coming into alignment. Why? Because I'm a son, and I have a right to say what God says about them. See, that's different than name it and claim it. That's believing it and then releasing it. And it starts shifting. What's it going to look like? I don't know, but aren't you glad you're a part of it? I don't understand it all. I wish I had all the answers. But you know what I find out? The more I walk with him, the more I see. I'm really quitting with this one. You have to understand, this is my passion. You know why? My passion is to see people set free. Because the Word of God says for all their lifetime they were subject to bondage and fear. But where the Spirit is, there's liberty. And people get set free of fear. I had an old man just died in our church. I'll never forget the day when he came to me. And he was just weeping. He said, Pastor, he said, I'm so thankful that you came. He said, my whole life I've been tormented. I've been so tormented. And I mean, he went into all this end time stuff that had just tormented him. And he said, man, you have brought me in where I experienced God that all that fear is gone. All of it's gone. He didn't fear anymore any of the stuff. And he had peace. And every day he would wake up and thank God for another day. And you know, and when he, he went out, he went out just like that. God wants to pull that fear out. He's not a God of fear. And most of the stuff that you worry about and people tell you, I mean, come on, the world's going to end in 2012 anyway. I mean, that's what the Mayan calendar says. I mean, what are we worried about? I'm amazed at how pe- the propaganda of people. And you know what? This is what's so weird. You ever notice how it's always attached to money? Always attached to selling the next book that brings fear into your life? Or to buy the next product because you're going to need it? You know what? If you have a relationship with Daddy, you just hear him, what he says to do. That's what you do. We don't live by this economy. We don't live by this stock market. So when everything else is going crazy and in chaos, it's like Jared said, if you're a son, you carry it. You have peace. He's Daddy. He'll take care of me. What am I worried about? So listen, I'm not saying you're getting everything that I'm saying here. I mean, this has taken me my 20-something years in walking with God. But you know what I made up my mind? I ain't going to believe something because somebody tells me. I have a right to know Daddy for myself. 
And I'll be honest with you, I'm not here to try to convince you in anything. Matter of fact, if you believe it because I say it, you don't believe it. You only believe it if Daddy shows you. And there are things that Daddy shows me that I ain't going to tell you because it ain't for you. It's between me and him. But I can tell you it's liberated me, and it'll liberate you too. And you know what? I don't have to prove it to somebody. I don't have to argue with them and show them I'm, I don't care. Because when you experience it, there's no argument. You, you may believe that there's not healing, but I've experienced healing, so you can't get it from me. You see what I'm saying? So your view, your belief system, it affects you. affects your children. See, my children are not raised in that stuff. They don't have the fear that I had and the torment I had when I was raised. You know, because we hadn't trained them in that, and we've attached them to Daddy. And so you can see that stuff broke off. All right? And it's not too late. It's just available. All right? So I know I stressed you a little bit. Hopefully, I'm, I, I, I encourage you to dig. But listen, you, you can't talk about sonship and not go there. Because that's the ultimate. The ultimate is what the son did for you to make you like him. And if he didn't do it, then we might as well just go on and get out of here. Because there's no hope. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if he didn't do what he said he did, Jesus might as well come back because ain't nothing changing. And really, up until about 10 or 15 years ago, we didn't think it could change until we start seeing those transformation videos and we start going, oh, my gosh, how can that happen? All things are possible, those that, what do you believe?